Hello, Q&A listeners. This is Chris Reno with our first podcast of 2023. Christine Hakens joined us in the gallery to discuss her exhibition, Work Ethic, Women in Rural Iowa. It was a lively conversation with a lot of questions from our students. I hope you enjoy. Christine, um, would you mind introducing yourself and uh, telling us where you're from? And Well, actually, let's just start by giving her a round of applause for coming. This is the artist, Christine Hakens. <laughs> These are her photographs uh, from a project called Uprooted. Uh, but Christy, will you tell us uh, where you're from and um, what you do? I guess just an in- introduction. Yeah. Yep. Um, thanks so much for having me, Chris. And um, thank you to, to St. Ambrose um, for having me come down and um, share my work and to share um, my project Uprooted with you and, and the selection of images um, from the body of work. And um, I live in Minneapolis. I've lived there for um, over 25 years. I originally um, grew up in Bettendorf, so, um, and actually used to drive along um, East Locust all the time when I was in high school. So, hmm. um, but I, I went to college in, in Iowa, both um, undergrad and grad school, and then as soon as I finished, I moved to Minneapolis, and I've lived there ever since then. And um, for the past 15 years or so, I have taught uh, photography and digital media at Minneapolis Community and Technical College in downtown Minneapolis. Um, but um, during my professional career, um, I started out um, doing freelance photography um, for different, um, you know, at the time there were a lot of small newspapers and independent publications that existed and I was able to kind of cobble together a you know entry-level um, freelance um, photojournalistic um, business for myself and mm. and then progressed into doing more editorial type photography and um, public relations and marketing photography and then and all the while was um, doing my personal work um, at the same time, because my personal work is always the fuel for anything I do um, professionally um, and commission-wise. And and then um, in the mid-2000s, I started teaching um, college, which was um, something that I'd always aspired to do um, from the time that I went to college. So um, so that's a little bit about, about You chose me. not to teach right after grad school. You chose to go out into the world. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I wanted to get some experience making photographs under my belt. I, you know, I'm really into storytelling and um, my undergraduate um, degree, I have a BFA in drawing and painting. And, mm. um, and then I went to grad school. During the time between undergrad and grad school, I uh, took up photography and really became interested in the storytelling and the narrative and um, and the way that I could accomplish that more easily with photographs than um, than with painting. So, um, so yes, I wanted to make use of my storytelling skills, and mm-hmm. also I, I wanted to see my work in print. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and and what was your degree in grad school? Uh, journalism and mass communication. So oh, I have an okay. emphasis in photojournalism. And that's that's that. What was that's not an MFA. That's a. It's an MA. MA. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and okay, so let's start just with this project since we can all see this work. 
and um, and talk about August Sander. Because when Christine introduced herself to me, she showed some work, and then she mentioned August Sander as being an influence on it. And and right away, I thought, oh yes, that's a, that's a name that I remembered. I used to be kind of more involved with photography in my twenties, and I remembered Sander really speaking to me at the time and being influential on a friend of mine who was a photographer uh, for the same kind of idea, just going around, this was in New York, just going around down the street with the camera and, and capturing people in their in their environment doing the thing they do. Uh, so I, I'd like to hear about how this project has developed and did it come from that early photojournalism um, background or? Yeah, so there's a couple, I hear a couple of different questions yeah, there. Sorry. And no, no, that's great. I just want to be sure yeah. that I answer all You're of well. them. But let me just ask how many people, and this is the teacher in me, um, how many of you know who August Sander is? Okay. One person. Okay. So let's just start there. Um, well, how many photo, photo students are in here? Are there any photo students in here or no? Oh, Randy. Oh, I'm going to tell Randy. Okay, good. All right. Okay. So August Sander is a photographer who was working in the um, early, early 20th century German. He's a German photographer. So um, between the First and Second World Wars, so around the 1920s, he um, really was interested in people, in social demographics, in also in cataloging, which I think of as being a very German thing, mm. you know, like an example, one example. So he decided he wanted to make a photograph of every type of person in German society. <laughs> and um, this is like 1920, and it was called the face of the 20th century. And the way he approached photography, this was, he was not using a 35 millimeter camera, which those were invented, by the way, in Germany in the 1920s. He was using a large format view camera. So if you can imagine, uh, this is like a camera that's like, you know, the, the plates or the sheets of film are like this big. And it's like this. This is how I always show my students. It's like this. You know, you have a dark cloth that goes over the back of the camera. You're looking through a ground glass at your subject that's flipped upside down. And you got the big lens and there's a big bellow. So anyway, he was traveling all over Germany making pictures. There were farmers. There were, you know, wards of the state, like orphans who lived in orphanages. There were bankers and there were like the aristocratic you know, owners of the town and um, children and, you know, yeah, brewers, bakers, you yeah, know, yeah. bakers. One of my favorite um, portraits, there's a baker, right, um, in his shop. So there's this idea of environmental portraiture that really he is one of the fathers of, quote unquote. And when I, I use the term environmental portraiture all the time because um, this is what I'm doing, but, you know, this is not about the environment, you know, like the, you know, climate change type of environment. This is about your subject in a particular setting. So he is, you know, one of the pioneers of working in this particular way. And a lot of these, you know, he's using the environment to say something about the subjects. And um, so that was one thing that really you know, spoke to me about his approach and a number of different things. Um, so there's also this idea of a typology and making a photograph of every type of person in an area. And that was the framework after I got started on this project. 
um, that was sort of the framework that I used to um, to hang my project on, right? I had was making pictures in, in Belmont and, you know, knew it was going somewhere, but I wasn't sure exactly. And then I thought about Augustander and I was like, oh, this would be a really great way to describe the town in a, an objective, quote unquote, sort of way. I mean, I have, I use, I'm using quotes, I use objective very loosely and, um, and, you know, you feel free to redirect because I can just like keep no, going yeah, here yeah. off on a tangent. Um, so one thing about August Sander, and I understand there are a lot of painting, um, painting students here. Am I getting that right? People in your painting classes. So, so August Sander was, and this is where there's an overlap between painting and photography, which I really love a lot because that, you know, speaks to my heart. Um, August Sander is very interested in realism and because photography um, historically at that time, you know, was going through this phase where, um, you know, photographers didn't want to be seen as scientists. So they were making, you know, pictures that were abstract or they tried to make pictures that look more romantic like paintings. Um, anyway, August Sander was about the realism and getting back to the things, the the details of everyday life, and um, and which you know, painting ha has realism movements too, right? Like the social realists, who mm -hmm. also really speak to me, and I feel like this this project could you know be hung on that a little bit as well, um, social realism. So, um, so those are those are ways that August Sander has informed um, this body of work. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay, so you, it sounds like you stumbled upon August Sander as you had already sort of maybe in a more heartfelt way said, I want to go back to this town that I have roots in. Mm -hmm. And you were exploring the town, and then you thought, how, you know, then, then you re rethought of Sander and synthesized that in. But what, let's talk about that. What made you want to go do that? Why? Go to Belmont. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, uh, my, my father was born in Belmond, Iowa, and he grew up there on a small farm, family farm. And I visited a lot when I was a kid. And, um, you know, I had around the mid nineties, <clears throat> I really lost touch with the town. And my grandparents had passed away and I didn't have immediate family there anymore, so there was really no reason for me to go back and visit. And then, you know, sometimes our life circumstances change or, you know, something, um, you know, sparks an interest or we think, oh, I, I wonder what this looks like. And I, so my life circumstances did change in my personal life. Um, and I was like, oh, I really, I want to revisit and kind of get back in touch with this part of who I am. So that's what prompted the visit and the interest in, in the town in particular. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And did you just like, go there for a weekend once and, or like, yeah. How do you, yeah. how do you reconnect yeah. to a town with yeah. your grandparents are gone? Now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I still have extended family there. Okay. So like second, third, I mean, Belmont is 2,300 people. Mm -hmm. So Sometimes I joke that like half the town are short tail relatives. Just, there are a lot of people that I'm distantly related to, but yeah. um, I was able to connect. And then also friends of my grandparents, mm -hmm. um, um, people that had known my grandparents over the years, so um, who 
you know, younger generations mm -hmm. um, was able to to um, connect with them. And yeah, I was I went on a it was in February and I decided to make a road trip and, you know, like February in northern Iowa is not any better than February in Minnesota, but um, <laughs> like where we are right now. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I made a road trip and, um, you know, my curiosity motivates me for um, all of my projects. Mm -hmm. So um, that's where it started. Mm. Um, I, you know, there are a few scenes, I just like, I always like to drive on country roads when I lived in Iowa. So mm -hmm. it was like revisiting the country roads and um, stopping and, getting out of the car and setting up a shot. And I was using a view camera too at the time. Oh, really? This was in, in, you know, maybe 2012. So I was still using a four by five camera. Um, and uh, with yeah. traditional film? Yeah, with film, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Color transparency film. Wow. Yeah, I like I like the pop of color and yeah. um, color transparency film. So, so that's how I got started. Yeah, a first visit, like uh -huh. one visit. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've done a lot of photography in, in Minneapolis over the years. I mean, I since I lived there, and um, but my connection to Belmont is really different than my connection to Minneapolis. So and. I haven't um, made a project about Minneapolis per se, um, but I've done a lot of photography of different aspects of um, the city over the years. Mm. So, um, yes. About being a part of it? Yeah, yeah that's a really mm -hmm. good question. Um, so, everybody I photo, I mean, there are plenty of people who said no, right? Mm -hmm. And I've got some funny stories too about mm -hmm. like, you know, trying to get people to pose. Um, but, you know, everybody that that sat for me was willing. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't have done it, you know. But, you know, there was um, at one point in the project, and this project I worked on for seven years. So when I decided that I wanted to um, go back and, you know, photographs more, I did some digging into the demographics and found out, you know, what percentage of the people were elderly because I'd heard about, you know, people, young people leaving and, you know, lots of elderly people in town. And, and so I did some digging. Um, there's a state data library in Des Moines and I emailed the librarian and librarians are such great people. Um, anyway, um, so he got me some demographic information, and um, I believe it was like 30% of the population was over 60. And so I really wanted to get some older people. So I went to the uh, retirement center in town, and I talked to the, the director, and, mm. you know, we decided I could come in and, you know, set up a table and talk to people and see if I could get somebody to photograph, you know, mm -hmm. and no one no one was willing. I mean, many people would talk to me, but no, I mean, they just wouldn't, you know, like the, you know, one, one woman said, I had my portrait done at church last spring, mm. you know, <laughs> so, um, 
you know, it was, um, yeah, people. And the men, men were a little bit more open to it. So I was able to actually get mm. a few men to pose, mm -hmm. but women, no, mm -hmm. weren't going to do it. Wow. So, so anyway, but, um, you know, some people were really excited that, um, you know, it's like, oh, somebody's interested in me and in what I'm doing. Um, and some people, um, you know, were a little bit indifferent, um, like, sure, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm seeing lots of hands here. So I think yours went up first. Yeah. So what is it about, like, these subjects in particular? Do you have, like, So how did these pictures make it into the, the edit? Yeah, it's, you know, it's about editing, right? And when this is the journalist or the photographer, right? There's two different kinds of editing. There's like the editing where you allow the best to come to the top, like when you're editing some copy or something that you've written or a paper. And that's the editing that I'm talking about, right? So it's more about which pictures are the best. Um, and the way, um, the way that I make that decision is really complex. And, you know, sometimes it involves getting input from people I trust. Uh, sometimes it's a gut thing, like, oh my gosh, that's a great picture. Sometimes it takes a few years before I like it. Sometimes, um, as in the example of, um, I gave an example um, of this one here, um, Kate, uh, softball coach. I mean, this one literally sat on my hard drive for years before last fall. I was looking, editing again for, for this show, and I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, it just, like, mm -hmm. jumped out at me, whereas, you know, at the time when I shot it, for some reason, it just didn't resonate. So, yes. What made you pick occupation rather than the occupation of the people, yeah. as opposed to doing scenes? You yeah. mean why am I photographing people as opposed to landscapes? Yeah, yeah I am a people photographer. <laughs> yeah, that's my um, that's my jam. And I do have some landscapes and scenes here, but, um, and I started, you know, when I started making pictures in Belmont, honestly, I had just finished a project that was very heavy in the production where mm. I was staging these portraits. Mm. They were like staged scenes, kind of like Cindy Sherman-y, mm -hmm. if you know who that is. Anyway, um, so it, they were so much work, and I had to do so much coordinating with other people, and I was really kind of tired of it. So I was yeah. like, nope, I'm just doing buildings and landscapes now. And so I started out doing that, but then I was like, oh, I really want to photograph this person, and I want to photograph the pastor of my, my grandparents' old church, and I want to who's not in this collection. It's one of my favorite portraits, but I wanted to make this one about women. I want to mm -hmm. photograph my dad's cousin, you know, those are the portraits that I started with, people that I knew. Um, and, you know, I always come back to that. You know, I always come back to the people. So that's my own. Yes. So you're saying, like, I can pick out my phone to go to my photo library, and I might just have something that qualifies as art in it. Like <laughs> from when I took a picture of a really pretty crap box. Yeah. Well, um, nope. I didn't say that. I'm not saying it's not true, but um, I'm not sure, you know, it, it sounds like within your 
question um, you're asking, can you make art with an iPhone? Yeah. Yeah. That's so, yeah, I, I wouldn't, that's not the tool that I would use for my project, but, you know, it's a tool that you could use for, for your project mm -hmm. if you want. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, a, a camera is a tool. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was talking about going from um, starting the project with a 4x5 view camera, mm -hmm. and then uh, I think in about 2006 or 2007, I... Um, no, it was late. No, it was like 2013 or 2014. I got a kind of a beefy DSLR that had a high enough resolution that I could mm. print at this size. Um, mm -hmm. And I knew I wanted to do about the size prints mm -hmm. for exhibitions. So, um, so that's when I shifted to digital. But it wasn't, you know, even then. It's about. It wasn't about. Can I get? I need to get the camera with the biggest possible sensor I can in order to to make quality pictures. No, it's about the the tool that I want that works for me. Um, oops. Um, so I, um, I, I hope that answers your question. I know plenty of people make uh, projects with their phones. Yes. Yeah. What was the longest, longest project you worked This one. Yeah. I worked on it for seven years actively. And I might go back and make more. You never know. You know, mm -hmm. I, I could. You know, maybe this summer they've invited me to come back and exhibit again. I've already showed the the body of work once in the town. They have an art center there, and um, early early on, like in 2018, I, I showed it there, and I um, they just emailed me. I think because they've seen that I've been posting about mm -hmm. about this show, and mm -hmm. so they reached out and they're like, "Well, do you want to show show again?" So. Um, anyway, if I go back again, maybe I'll make more pic more pictures. Maybe, yes. Well, obviously, this is very professional work. I'm just trying to understand what makes this more distinguishable from, like, say, my mom's scrapbook as a two with a nice sturdy cover to go with this. Well, what do you think? Well, I. Well, we could, you know, it's not a bad question. Right. The, right. the question of the, the, the snapshot, someone taking a family portrait, the technology involved, the tools that you use, um, that, these are really relevant questions, actually. Mm -hmm. And we could maybe utilize the show to discuss it. There he is. Um, but but, I, but I, I love the idea of, what what's enough for a photograph? Because a photograph is a very fast, can be not always, but can be a very fast experience. Mm -hmm. But like you said, you've done some very production heavy shots before, where you mm -hmm. you're setting up a scene, you're putting people in costumes. There's makeup, there's lighting. Mm -hmm. It's like a it's like a movie set. It takes days or weeks of research and 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 production to create the image. Or there's someone like um, like Cartier-Bresson or whatever going around with his little camera on an adventure through some town in Europe and finds a shot, and it could only have existed in that second, right? And th those are two different sides of photography, but it's all in, the, in the, the, the basic premise of photography is capturing light uh, onto some kind of matrix, right? So for, the, for this, let's just look at this show. So you want to pick out a couple pieces from this show and, and talk about how, uh, how you worked with the people or you found the shot 
and it could be on either side of that pole of mm -hmm. higher production or or more in the moment. Mm -hmm. If you want to, is there are there a couple you want to sure. point to? Yeah, and I think also in that this goes to a little bit to selecting the subjects and you know kind of the premise of the project mm -hmm. and developing a project, yeah. which um, has you know it's the intentionality of it. I think is one thing that distinguishes it from a from a scrapbook, for example, mm -hmm. but. But um, having said that, it is similar to a scrapbook in that it's a collection of different different things. Um, but um, like I could talk about, let's um, let's for example, which one is nice? Oh, oh yeah, this one, right? So. For this, this one is um, Friday night at the Corner Lounge, and this was earlier in the project. Um, and before I'd settled on this idea of doing a typology, so I was um, doing some more documentary style pictures where I was going to scenes and like capturing things as they unfolded um, in front of me. And so I, <clears throat> I spent a night at the Corner Bar and um, yeah, once things got going, um, you know, once the music started pumping, um, but I was, you know, talking to people and, you know, asking them, my process is really about letting them know why I'm there, you know, why, and, and I don't, some photojournalists will, um, you know, kind of like hide their cameras and try to integrate, you know, but, you know, I, that's not the way I approach it. Like I have my cameras, I have my flash. I'm like hanging out, talking to people, letting them know what I'm doing and, and then asking them, is it okay if I take your picture? Because that's an important piece to this too, right? So, so it was an evening. I mean, yes, this was captured in one frame, you know, like a 30th of a second or something, but I mm. spent the night there, mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. then you also, probably took a number of photos, and many of them aren't are going to work out, right? Right. But. Yeah, this was the best one, you know, particularly in a, a dark scene like this where there's some special effects involved, like there's motion blur, like the subject in the background is a little bit blurry, mm -hmm. but the one in the foreground is a little bit sharper. You know, when I'm leaving more up to chance, which you are when you're, you know. Well, one, we've got slow or dark, right? And then we've got, you know, like the disco lights, you know, like the lighting is creating, uh, it's changing um, constantly. So there's definitely an aspect of chance. And you have to take a lot of pictures, right, in order for to get a good one. And I tell my students sometimes in this situation, it's a little bit like fishing, you know, <laughs> yes. because you're like you got to take a bunch in order to get a good one. Mm -hmm. But th that's true always, I think. For me, it is. Yeah, so. Uh, oh, hold on, M Michael, yeah, you had yeah, yeah. you, you a, a question earlier. I want to make sure we caught you. Well, we've kind of gone beyond. Okay. Way, but I am, I'm curious. We got, when I first walked in the room, I was wowed. And the images are so clear, so bright. Uh, Rod Stewart. Every picture tells a story. So I'm curious, I'm kind of torn between the individual stories that maybe they are telling, portraits basically, as opposed to 19 being very much an action shot, mm -hmm. and the others 
not to be portraits of people, but of places. And I'm wondering, am I, am I taking in the entire exhibition to get a sense of this town, to get a sense of mm -hmm. rural America at a particular point in time, mm -hmm. or, or am I supposed to interact with the softball coach and with apparently sort of a, a secretary, perhaps, mm -hmm. sitting in the office, this police officer? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm just curious as to did you have a sense, are you creating a show or are you creating a whole series of individual interactions for me as a reader? Well, it's a little bit of both, you know, and it's about, it's about painting a portrait um, of the town at a particular moment in time, but, you know, the people are what make up the town. So with the, with the, the scenic shots, you know, I feel like I could just, I could just show the portraits, but I want to give some information about that places them in context. So, okay, hold, hold, hold. You, got, you got a question. So I can imagine you have a lot of everyday. When you were going through and like doing more editing, how did you narrow down? Thousands, thousands and thousands. Yeah, it's a process, you know. Um, after each shoot, I pick the ones that I like the best and that I think are the strongest, and um, those go into a pile, and you know, it just builds from there until the pile gets bigger and bigger and I keep going back and looking at it and um, sorting through and then and then sometimes I go back to the original um, the original pictures that I shot that didn't make the first cut and then you know sift through again and you know I have a rating system mm -hmm. actually and you know I did the same thing when I was working on film with mm -hmm. with contact sheets you know mm -hmm. it's like you circle the ones with a with a pencil, with the, the grease pencil that are that are the top picks. You know, first you circle in white, and then you go back and you circle in red, and then you can always you know go back to that proof sheet and look look at the ones that you marked, and then and then easily look again at the ones that you didn't mark and see if there are any good ones in there. And and so um, you know, there's some of that. There's you know, when you're working, um, I use Lightroom. I use a cataloging software, so. Um, I can, it's just easy for me to go back through my catalog and I've got all my pictures organized by, by date so I can see what shoots I did and, and let, go back down and look at that shoot and, and, and then I've got ratings on the pictures, like which ones were the best and does that answer your question? Yeah. Well, let's take, let's take that question. I want to take one question. Uh, I want to step from that question to a broader question about form which is what makes a good one, just briefly. Um, I think you're, one thing that stands out to me across the entire series is the strength of the composition, and not just in the individual photo, but then in the set that you've curated. Like anyone should, anyone who's seeing the show should go from one to 25 and experience it that way, because that's the way Christine set it up. To, to see how one photo flows into another and how there are relationships between the photos, but then how the image is composed within that rectangle. And so maybe 
the briefest version of this question is what makes it good for you? What, why, why did you circle this one versus that one? It's not just because this one's clear or blurry, because sometimes the blur is, is relevant. Mm -hmm. But what, what makes it good? Why is that one the it photo? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like in a portrait um, a picture that is saying something about the subject, right? That's the most basic um, description of a portrait that I give to my students. It's a picture that reveals some aspect of the subject, but then also it goes beyond that and allows us to connect with the subject. And, and then beyond that, I want me as a photographer, I'm hoping that, you know, the viewer can connect with the subject and then also maybe the viewer can feel some empathy for the subject. And that's, and then also I, yeah, that those are, I guess there's three different things there. Mm -hmm. Those are like, but it's not like I can look at a picture when I'm, it's like a gut. I mean, so much of it is a gut mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. and my gut doesn't lie that often. Sometimes it does though, but, um, and then sometimes like, I get super attached to something. Like either maybe it's a subject. Before I photograph the subject, I'm like super attached to it and really excited about it. And then, you know, I photograph it in this way that I had visually I had planned in my little brain. And then and my picture looks exactly the way I thought it it should look. And it's I think it's great. But then it's like someone else will say, oh. and I'll be like, you know, and it might take me a year to be like, Oh, I was so attached. You know what I mean? Like sometimes my ideas aren't, sometimes it's like the magic that happens between me and the subject that really makes yeah. something wonderful. And sometimes it takes me a while to see that because on the other side, maybe a shoot didn't go, maybe I had this little idea that I really wanted for my shot and I couldn't get that for whatever reason. And then I just don't like the picture. Even, and that is very true of this one, mm -hmm. the livestock producer. Um, you know, she and her husband, and these are backstories that I don't, you know, I'm hoping that they communicate without knowing these backstories, but I think the backstories are interesting too, um, which is, you know, one of the little juicy, some of the juicy tidbits you get for coming here. Right? That's your reward. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's so, um, no, livestock production, so they have a, a hog confinement operation. They had just built it, and it was brand new. And I know that this is controversial, right, mm -hmm. in Iowa. If you're mm -hmm. from Iowa, overall, you might know that. Um, if you live next to it, especially. Yeah. Right. Or even within a five-mile radius. <laughs> right, right, right. And environmentally, you know, there's just um, a lot of, um, it's a, an issue for debate. So. I really wanted to photograph her inside this confinement with the pigs. You know, I had this idea, you know, mm. not possible for a variety of reasons. You know, it's not possible. And I could explain, I mean, it was an education for me. And these, this is one of the wonderful things about my job is like, I get to meet total strangers and learn about these things that I knew absolutely nothing about. I was kind of like flabbergasted that they don't even own the pigs. Right. They're just like providing a place for the pigs, you know. So anyway, this is, you know, my thing. Like, so I couldn't photograph her inside of the confinement. And I was just really mad at myself and, you know, just frustrated and hated the picture. And then and this is another one, too. I've never shown this one because, you know, a couple of years later in a pandemic, I'm like, oh, 
that says that picture is now it's saying something to me but i had to get past that experience mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll let you okay do let's the, do the someone calling. who hasn't asked yeah. a question you sir in the back with the mustache so i was just going to ask how much of this i guess how much of this was your vision i guess like going into the project and now with it being ended how did you see the project like when you started how i guess did it like surprise you as you were going through yeah yeah that's a really great question because these projects don't like show up fully formed you know and it i didn't know it was going to be a project it was you know my curiosity like i want to go back to belmont because i haven't been there in 20 years and i want to see what it looks like and then and then that grew into like i want to reconnect with these people and then um you know it took a while for me to realize that i had a project that i was working on a project and then and to call it to acknowledge to myself that it was a project and i'm not sure maybe like maybe like a year or two into it i started calling it a you know i committed to like okay i'm gonna keep doing this i'm gonna keep going back and i'm gonna make then i decided i wanted to make a book you know and i'm still working on that by the way on um you know figuring out how i'm gonna you know coalesce this project into a book but um you know once i got this idea in my head that i wanted to make a book then i then i pursued it more um consciously and realized well what's my framework you know what is the what is the story that i'm going to tell and and so it didn't um and then also there's something like i talked about the magic and i, I really believe in in the magic piece you know if you define something too much it it doesn't leave room for the magic to happen you know and that's like this give and take between myself and the subject whatever it is that that happens so um i, I was a good uh couple of years into it before i realized i had a project and then and then also this most recent iteration this idea about um making it about the women in the town this just came up for me like post pandemic that I after long after, you know, I was like, oh, what it because I've always been, you know, photographed women's roles and, you know, uh, projects that speak to the experience of women in the world. And this was really the first project where I was I had more portraits of men than women. And so, yeah, so. But then I kind of dialed it back and was like, oh, I, I think I'm going to just show the portraits of women and, mm -hmm. and see what that brings up. Yeah that it's i like to work with pairs a lot and sequencing is is super important and uh i will um i'll make little prints and i cut them up you know like maybe this big and i'll put them on a table or also put eight by tens up on a wall and um, play with the arrangement and kind of see how they like talk to each other um, but there's also the idea of a, a broader narrative that I want to create and and what sequencing best contributes and and then based on which pictures are next to each other um, can pull out 
um, meanings from from the adjacent photos that really help contribute to the dialogue. So, um, but sequencing is super important, and then getting help from from trusted um, critique collaborators mm. super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you had a question? Oh yeah. So probably going to sound stupid, but uh, the people in those photographs, do they get any like royalties from you? <laughs> that is a really good question. I give them a print. And so if one is making royalties, one that is a, that means that I'm making money, right? That's what royalties are. Like and so um, at this point there's I I've got more into it than I've gotten out of it. So, but that's a really good question. A print, you know, and because you know when we're doing model releases, this gets to the legality, right? And model releases. And by the way, I haven't had any of my subjects sign releases, which could be a mistake. But mm -hmm. if you have your subject sign a release, there's a clause, the very first sentence that says for valuable consideration received. And that means the subject has gotten something for for me agreeing or for them agreeing to let me use their likeness. So, and you know, usually I'll offer them a print. If it gets to a book, that becomes more of an issue, doesn't it? Yeah. Maybe, Maybe, if the book makes money. Yeah, yeah. yeah but there's yeah. that other thing, you know? Right, like, right. yeah. So if I had a picture and I sold it, you know, for example, this woman, if I, and this never happens with portraits, you know, but, you know, if this, for example, I sold this portrait for stock, and mm -hmm. used it for, mm -hmm. say I sold it for $5,000. Mm -hmm. Then she could have a legitimate claim to royalties. She's on a billboard right? in Czechoslovakia all of a sudden. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then I would need to pay her. You know, I would need to. So I think that's a good question. Yeah, I just, uh, uh, I brought up a, a few classes It's hard to say if, if 
the space is gendered. So like, were you thinking about the gendered space of that space? In of the town? Well, in connection with, specifically with the pairing, mm -hmm. but like also, you know, all of these people have such beautiful, direct gazes, right? Like, these are women that know they're being looked at. They're consenting to being looked at. And they're proud of the person. And then you see, like, the one directly behind you. If I were to, like, personify that mm -hmm. building, that is a really proud building me. Um, and partially that's because of symmetry or, or partially that's because of uh, just really thoughtful composition and the composition between how that works in conjunction to the administrative assistant's angling mm. of the back. You know, mm -hmm. It's kind of like if we want to pretend that the building has shoulders, <laughs> like mm -hmm. how that works mm -hmm. and like building off of each other. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, I've been on this lynch for a bit of, of saying like the story the story matters but defining doesn't matter right like mm -hmm. so this is an important story and you don't need to have the single knowledge of all the details yeah mm -hmm. right right but i think that his is is different than what i'm seeing here but but not entirely yeah yeah i can't speak to lynch um I mean, I, I, I understand what you're talking about. I'm not, I didn't watch Twin Peaks, no. <laughs> no, I didn't watch Twin Peaks, so I can't speak to that. But no, I, I think the idea of, um, yeah, a, a place having a, a personality or the story of a place, I think that's, that's really interesting. And, um, and the pairings, um, yeah, between, you know, this one has been in so many different spots in the exhibition. I mean, in the, I've shown this body of work many times, and there have been times when I've led with this one um, as, you know, sort of the, the opening shot, you know, to just sort of set the stage. Because typically we say the opening shot is the one that, you know, kind of lets the viewer know what the story is about, right? And so in the past, I've opened with this shot and, um, and really thinking about this as um, a bit of the the personality of the town or the um, identity of the town you know it used to be um, it used to be the the soybean elevator right the main soybean elevator and an important economic um, foundation for the town now it's uh, owned by a, a corp you know a corporation but um, but and then also I think about um, people saying, or I've heard them described as castles on the prairie. Mm. And so um, that, for me, is one of the things I think about when I look at that. So, yeah. I think it, I think it looks very much like a church. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cathedral. Yeah. And, it's, <laughs> and everything is just perfectly up to the high point. It's like comfortably, uncomfortably right in the center. Yeah. Which is a good yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally see the church thing, like oh, the, no parishioner. Yeah, the, <laughs> for the white like here's the <laughs> there's the the part that's yeah I don't know the flying name. buttress. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. flying buttress is in there, <laughs> yeah. and then there's the yeah. Oh, the um, yeah, actually, uh, yeah. What is that? The um, this is worth googling. It's <laughs> interesting because it's like the the people are like 
Augustander, but colored instead of black and white? Yes. We talked about Augustander at the beginning. We did. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> and uh, that was listening. I had my ear on. <laughs> and, Just before you got here. And then overall, it's like uh, uh, Joel Meyerowitz without an ocean. Right. Because mm. he did the people at the parties, and then and then like the church, and then this one, you know, the motels mm -hmm. that he captured. In Provincetown. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And all right. of them, all of them, I like exactly how they're composed because you've left clues all around each of them of who they are, mm -hmm. but it's still like very matter of fact. You know, like this, if you tried to turn that into an actual portrait, then you lost ear and the child booster seat and all that other stuff in it. Yeah. Then mm -hmm. it would be a snapshot of that. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, we're almost at time. But I, did, I do want to touch on this because it's sort of led in from what Joseph asked. But, and you mentioned it in your statement. I invite everyone to read the statement that's on the wall. And then also on the paper, it's slightly different. So read both. But you talk about um, our political environment, current political environment. In this project, you're obviously a, a, an artist from Minneapolis. So I'm assuming you're, you're a Democrat. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to make that assumption. I'm just going to make that stereotypical like, assumption, right? And I'm going to say you're going to go to rural Iowa and you're going to shoot photos, so you're kind of carpetbagging in a way. And I guess I'm just I'm curious. I know you, you've thought about it, so I, I'd like to hear you speak a little bit about how, how this project has affected you and your politics. And please correct me if I'm wrong about that, but, you know, it's just talking about, you know, more generally this idea of our tribalism now and how this project has, to me, helps, helps lower that temperature and talk to our, our shared humanity. So um, you have any thoughts on that that you'd like to? How the project is doing that, yeah. Yeah, I, um, so for me, it's about building empathy and also um, I feel like within the town itself um, and this idea of the, um, the demographic polarization, right, mm. of um, the socioeconomics, right, like the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer, right, mm. because there's, you know, definitely a small percentage of haves and the haves have, right. They have the town, basically. They have a lot. Mm -hmm. The haves have a lot. And there's a little bit of middle class and then there's a lot of people that are really struggling. Mm. And, you know, I... Um, I spent time, you know, this is, this is the piece about like getting beyond my, my own perceptions, as you're saying, you know, about being a, a Democrat from Minneapolis, from the, from the big city and going to, you know, the place where we assume that it's, you know, red and mm -hmm. that is the, the way the elections have gone there for the past 20 years. But having said that, you know, like spending time with the, the pastor at the Lutheran church while they're running the food shelf and talking to her about the need and, you know, how much the need has grown and, you know, and things like that. So kind of like getting in touch with, with, you know, getting beyond the headlines and kind of getting into some of that, um, what I find to be the socioeconomic reality of um, life in rural Iowa. So, um, so trying to, and I mentioned this in my statement too about getting beyond the tropes, right? The political tropes of what it means to be a rural Midwesterner. And I have 
uh, photographer colleagues that are all about the tropes, right? About, mm -hmm. you know, like what's going on in the red states and, mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, just really wanting to not tap into that, right. you know, and um, make it about the humanity of the people. Right. Um, that's what interests me. And that's part of, you know, about letting the the um the connection with the subject making that a, a primary um of primary importance in the portraits and then also the piece about and i've had some criticism um on the project also about well the people you know the the portraits are not that dynamic the lighting's kind of flat you know they're very straightforward and it's like well for me that was I wanted to present the people in a straightforward way um, and not to dramatize or to take away or to, you know, make, create a feeling of pity. You know, I just read a, a critique of Dorothea Lang's Migrant Mother, um, if you're familiar with that portrait from the Farm Security Administration and um, about, well, you know, Dorothea Lang aside, the Farm Security Administration existed to build support for programs that were helping the poor, right? So, um, so anyway, you know, photographing this woman who's really poor and is clearly in a place of hardship, you know, and makes you, it's very heart-wrenching, right? It's a heart-wrenching photograph. But I, um, you know, more than wanting to portray people in a way that makes us feel sorry for them. I really wanted to, you know, not get into that journalistic, if it bleeds, it leads sort of mentality and go with an empathetic connection. Yeah. So I feel like that's a really long answer to no, your question. It's, it's but. perfect. I'm sure Sander, Sander was similar, right? I mean, that typology was, was just capture it all and let history decide, honestly. And, and you obviously have to curate it, but you are Oh, very open in the in the curation and, and, and finding as much as possible, putting in as much as possible, and then letting it letting it age, you know, letting it become its thing. You know. So. Anyway, thank you, everyone. We should probably cut it off there. If you have any more questions for Christine, she's around for another hour. Feel free to talk with her and between uh, the chocolate on your way out. This has been Q&A from the Kadich and Morrissey Galleries at St. Ambrose University. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All rights reserved, 2023.